My senses newly opened, I awakened to the cry that the people have the power. The people have the power. Term limits empower women and increase voter turnout. I'm Nick Tumbalides, and this is the latest edition of No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Term Limits Movement for September 17th, 2018. Your sanctuary for partisan politics. Polls show that voters are growing cynical and disillusioned by the political process. America has one of the lowest voter turnout rates in the industrialized world, and our citizens do not trust politicians. Two in three Americans say they would fire the entire Congress if they could. So is it possible to restore faith in these institutions? And if so, how do we do that? One way would be making our government more representative, making Congress look more like the people. Another is by giving voters elections with real choice, where their decisions actually matter. Two recent studies show that term limits can make our elections more meaningful. Term limits, according to these studies, increase the number of women who run for office, and they also increase voter turnout. I'm joined by Phil Blumel, president of U.S. Term Limits. Let's discuss that last study, Term Limits Increasing Voter Turnout. Um, what, what, are these, uh, what do these new results show? Well, it's interesting. Um, both of these studies are new to us. We just discovered them this week, and I think they're really dynamite. One of them's brand new, the one regarding women and voting. Uh, the other is by a guy named Daniel C. Lewis at Siena College and Robin Kuhlman at the University of uh, Central Missouri. And they were looking at how tournaments affect uh, voter turnout. And what they find is, is that more voters go to the polls when they have uh, meaningful choices and that tournaments are providing those uh, meaningful choices. And also that they find that um, when more of these voters coming to the polls in places with term limits, they also tend to vote on more of the ballot. That is to say, they don't just vote on, they don't just come in to vote for president and their congressman. They'll spend more time looking at the uh, down ballot races, such as state legislature, because they see there's a meaningful choice there when in, term, in non-tournament states they don't. Right. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with um, breaking that stranglehold that incumbents have over many of these offices. I mean, we've seen in places like Connecticut where none of the politicians, none of the Congress members from Connecticut support term limits. They say, well, we have term limits. They're called elections. And then when you go look at the election results from Connecticut, you find that all of the incumbents are running unopposed. So there's absolutely no choice at all for the voters. doesn't surprise me at all that people would not want to, you know, leave work early or get out to the polling place and stand in line to vote in an election that is essentially meaningless. September 17th is U.S. Constitution Day. The Constitution is the supreme law of the land and is comprised of a preamble, seven articles, and 27 amendments. The first 10 are collectively known as the Bill of Rights. In honor of the birth of our nation's governing document, we salute Article 5, which describes how the Constitution may be amended. The founders recognized that the Constitution may have flaws and would have to adapt as the country grew. James Madison and Alexander Hamilton wrote about the beauty of Article 5, stating it made it difficult, but not too difficult, to amend the Constitution. 
Our founders felt strongly that both the federal government and the state legislatures should have equal power to propose amendments. Therefore, the amendment proposal convention option was important for them to include. Did you hear that? Both Congress and the states have equal power to propose amendments. Amending the Constitution is a two-step process. First, it's proposed, and if it gets enough votes, it's ratified into law. Although the states and Congress have equal power to propose amendments, only the states may ratify them, making them part of the Constitution. To date, all of the amendments were proposed by Congress through Article 5. Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution states, The Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution, or on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments, which, in either case, shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by conventions in three-fourths thereof. But what does that mean? To be clear, amendments require two steps, proposal and ratification. The proposal process is a discussion. In order for it to progress, either two-thirds of both houses of Congress or two-thirds of the state legislatures, in this case 34 states, the state legislatures must apply for a convention of states to finalize the language in preparation for the next step, which is ratification. Ratification process is once approved, three-quarters of the states, 38 states, must ratify the change. This can be done either through three-quarters of the state legislatures or three-quarters of the states at ratifying conventions. The Supreme Court determined that congressional term limits must be an amendment to the Constitution, just as the President has. Although Congress placed those limits on the executive branch via Article 5, we're not holding our breath waiting for Congress to propose term limits on itself. That is why we embrace Article 5, knowing the states have equal power to create the amendment without going through Congress. For more on our progress, please visit termlimits.com progress. And for more news and commentary on term limits in our country, like, follow, subscribe, and write a review. Share this podcast with five of your closest friends to help get the word out. And send any questions, ideas, or comments you have to podcast at termlimits.com. With your help, we will get term limits on Congress. Happy Constitution Day! So this second study, um, we have one also that I thought was equally significant about term limits providing a greater opportunities for women to run and win public office. How does that work, Nick? Well, this is interesting. Women, uh, despite being half the population, only account for about one quarter of our elected officials in America, at, at least at the state legislative level. I don't think Congress is that different. And the question political scientists have been asking for a long time is, you know, why, why are these political bodies not representative of the people? Um, why, why are women such a minority in political office? And there are you know, a variety of different uh, sociological reasons for that. But a major reason, according to um, Professor Samantha Petty of the uh, Massachusetts Institute of Liberal Arts, major reason is that women do not sense that there is an opportunity to run for office 
because the power of incumbency is so strong and because there are barriers to entry for women who want to get involved. I mean, she writes that women, uh, by and large, when they run for the state legislature, they haven't served in political office before, which means they are more amateur candidates who are trying for the first time. They might have a, a very strong background in the private or public sector, but they haven't been in elected office before, and they feel deterred by the fact that this is a career position, that you're going up against powerful insiders, and that you don't have a great chance to win. But when term limits come into play, as they have been enacted in 15 states, what you see is a tremendous increase in female candidate emergence. You see about a 40% increase um, in wow. the number of women who are running for office when term limits are That's around. That's significant. Yeah, because those barriers come down and women feel like they have a real chance to win uh, when they run for office. Hey everyone, this is Austin Seckle with U.S. Term Limits. With the conclusion of Rhode Island's primary election this past Wednesday, the 2018 midterm primaries have come to a close. Uh, this year, the results are largely the same from elections past, aside from the fact that supporters of term limits have multiplied and are set to make history in record numbers. As of now, 365 candidates running for Congress have signed our pledge for term limits, and 94 of them have won their primary election. So with less than two months away, the general election, it's vital for the people to unite behind a common issue to take down a common enemy, the D.C. power brokers that run on self-interest and campaign donations. Nearly 40% of all primaries nationwide were uncontested, so voters didn't even have a chance to oppose the status quo. Maine was the worst state this cycle. Over 83% of congressional primaries were uncontested, which means that only one primary election was held statewide for Democrats in Maine in the 2nd District this cycle. Chuck Grassley, senior senator from Iowa, turns 85 today, September 17th, 2018. Happy birthday, Chuck. Senator Grassley has had a long, <laughs> very long, and rewarding career as a politician and has served the public tirelessly as a poster child for term limits. Grassley was born in 1933 in New Hartford, Iowa, and graduated college in 1956 from the Iowa State Teachers College, now the University of Northern Iowa. Three years later, he was elected to the Iowa House of Representatives and never looked back. If you don't have a calculator handy, that's 59 years. But have no fear, his resume boasts some real-world experience also, including a year or two as a sheet metal shearer, assembly line worker, and farmer back in the day. Grassley has leaned on this sliver of private sector experience over the past six decades of making important policy decisions on health care and the judiciary, among others. among others. He's also leaned on health professionals, pharmaceutical firms, insurance companies, and law firms, which have been his largest contributors, according to the Center for Responsive Politics. Don't forget that nearly 100% of corporate money goes to incumbents. And not coincidentally, we see that Senator Grassley has never won re-election with anything less than 60% of the vote, except for his first victory before he was an incumbent. 
60 years seems more like the reign of a king than a public servant. And indeed, Senator Grassley has been called the ethanol king for his consistent support of federal subsidies and mandates to protect that industry. Inspired by Senator Grassley, George Blumel at posterchildrenfortournaments.com wrote, Have you seen the NASCAR drivers with all the decals on their clothes and cars showing who their sponsors are? Well, I think professional politicians should have to display the logos of all the companies and groups that pay them. It would help taxpayer voters to understand why they do what they do for certain interests. Term limits aims at broadening the range of experience and also improving the incentives faced by legislators. Two goals which collide with the career trajectory of Senator Grassley. It's no surprise then that Senator Grassley has received an F on U.S. Term Limits Legislator's Scorecard at TermLimits.com as he refuses to sign the USTL pledge or to co-sponsor the Congressional Term Limits Amendment in Congress. Well, happy birthday, Chuck. We wish you the best and hope you can take a break from the decades of nonstop campaigning and fundraising to smell the flowers on the beautiful, wide-open Iowa Plains. The data from Petty also shows that women, uh, more so than men, are averse to the idea of becoming career politicians, um, which is music to my ears. Um, I think Good for that. She writes that nearly 73% of females running for the lower house in a state claim their decision to run for office was not done as a stepping stone toward higher office. And the study also found mm. that 79% of women in the lower chamber reported having an occupation that allows for the flexibility to hold office um, and then also wow. be focusing on other responsibilities in life. So hmm. term limits really enhance the ability of women to serve, make a difference in their community or state, and then you know return back to society and focus on their responsibilities and priorities uh, in life. And according to Petty's research, this is a very compelling uh, aspect of term limits that draws more women into politics. Okay, Nick, let's switch gears a second. We got some polling this week also out of Arkansas, which I find very encouraging. In Arkansas, there's a statewide measure on the ballot in November that would tighten up the term limits in that state um, after politicians had deceptively loosened them a few years back. And so term limits activists came back to remedy the situation. And it looks like they're going to be successful. There was a poll that came out September 5th to the 7th. It was done by Talk Business and Politics and Hendricks College. And they talked to uh, 1,700 statewide likely voters and asked them, the constitutional amendment, issue three, will be on the ballot this November to limit the terms that members of the Arkansas legislature can serve. If passed, this amendment would impose a lifetime limit of 10 years of service for members of the Arkansas General Assembly, along with specific limits of service in each house. If the election were today, would you vote for or against this amendment? And the uh, yeses were at 67% to 18% against. The rest were undecided. If it's on the ballot, it's going to win. Yeah, we polled this as well internally at U.S. term limits. Um, in conjunction with Remington Research Group, we asked 1,500 likely general election voters and we got almost the same result. 
of Arkansans supporting the tighter term limits, only 18% opposed to it. And we even drilled deeper than that because we wanted to put up some of the opposition's best arguments, uh, so-called best arguments, and see how the voters felt about them. So, for example, we asked the people of Arkansas whether this amendment goes too far. I mean, after all, it would make Arkansas's term limits the very strictest term limits in the nation at just six years in the House, eight years in the Senate, and 10 years overall. And when we asked Arkansas voters how that affected their vote on this initiative, 55% said it made them more likely to support it. So the voters actually <laughs> love the fact that these are the strictest term limits in the nation, and they are quite proud of that because Arkansas has had so many problems with corruption recently. They've had several elected officials oh, yes. going to prison for bribery and other really tough issues. So Arkansans are fired up and ready to vote for this. And the irony of that, of these recent corruption scandals, is that when the politicians in Arkansas weakened the term limits in the state, they did it by putting the, the term limits weakening measure inside of a larger package of so-called uh, anti-corruption measures, including um, barring gifts from lobbyists to certain state officials and regulating contributions to candidates and things like that. And they uh, snuck in halfway through the document, which is a very, a very long ballot measure, uh, the, the issue about term limits. And in the ballot summary, what the voters actually saw when they went to go vote, it said, as the last uh, item of this uh, ballot measure, setting term limits for members of the General Assembly. Well, I'm for that. So if I'm for that, should I have voted yes? Well, if I did, I would have made the, the uh, term limits weaker in Arkansas. And that's how the politicians got away with this. And so that's why these, the activists are going back, putting this new measure, which is very straightforward on the ballot, and it looks like voters are going to are going to uh, vote for it in November. It was a double deception. The name of the amendment was the Arkansas Ethics, Transparency, and Financial Reform Ethics. Amendment. Ethics, Transparency, <laughs> and Financial Reform. So where right. in that title does it mention that it's gutting term limits and changing them from six years to 16? Where in that title does it mention the double duplicity of the, the amendment that it actually gave Arkansas legislators a 120% salary increase the following year. Right. I mean, this was a, a very... Some ethics package. This was a crooked scheme. I mean, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, the biggest paper in Arkansas, called it the outrage of the year at the time. This is a scheme that would have made Richard Nixon blush, to be honest. Let's turn now to Arlington, Texas. In July, a group of volunteers led by Arlington Voice founder Zach Maxwell turned in over 11,000 signatures to put an initiative on the November 6th ballot to limit city council members to six years in office. The council flipped out and provided us with yet another illustration of how far politicians will go to protect their own interests at the expense of citizens. How you doing, Zach? I'm doing well. Okay, so how, how did you put together the team to get this done? So last year... I, again, witnessing just years of, of all these different groups within the city getting uh, crushed by our city council, I decided that enough was enough, that if somebody would just go around and mobilize all these different people, that we could pull together a movement that would be able to uh, uh, generate the momentum for term limits. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did last fall is I started going around and visiting with key people in our community. I visited with our firefighters association, 
I visited with one of our police associations here. I visited with um, uh, different groups, political groups, people that are that are completely polar opposite political spectrum of me. Uh, mm-hmm. I went and sat down with folks that I believe were ready and willing to step forward on this issue. And uh, like I said, it was over 80 volunteers that came from all wow. those different groups. Uh, and not just from those groups, we had citizens who were not part of any group who just they heard about it and they either reached out to me or they reached out to somebody in our group the citizens finally just said enough is enough we want change in this community and and we got it together and we got 11,433 signatures in 10 weeks did the uh, council see this coming and and how did they react when it was clear that you had the signatures necessary to put term limits on the ballot so um, that's an interesting thing. Um, I was very strategic in doing this in that I kept a lot of this kind of underground. Right. It was several weeks in after we really started getting our momentum for the signature process that I only then started making a few posts on social media about it. And I think that was the point at which the city council realized that it's one of those things where I think they just didn't take us seriously until right. suddenly I think you're right. they saw that news report. And that was purposeful, by the way, because here's what happened. The mayor actually got his campaign manager to start sending paid – we called them goons. They were just paid hmm. goons, and they were coming out in that last week, and they were trying to derail our process. They were just trying to, um, to yell down our volunteers. They wow. were yelling down people that were trying to sign a petition, and these were paid agitators. They were putting out these shirts, that big red letters across the chest that said – don't sign the petition. Wow. I think your strategy was right not to get hung up with uh, you know, press and attention early on in the campaign. My experience is that, first of all, it's just distracting uh, because when you're running a tournaments campaign, a, a citizen's initiative, the only thing that really matters is collecting people's signatures, You know, getting volunteers exactly. out on the street, collecting signatures. Once it's on the ballot, then that's when you have a public discussion about it. But up until then, it can only be distracting and, of course – attract opposition from people that have a lot of time and money <laughs> and, a, and a self-interest in, in stopping you. So, But now the council did a lot more than that. Um, when, once, you, once it was clear that this was headed towards the ballot, um, they took some another extraordinary action. Why don't you tell us about that? They decided that uh, they would use their political influence to try and muscle onto the ballot a, uh, a watered-down version of term limits. They didn't like what we wanted. They know at the end of the day, that when my term limits language passes, that the party's over. Right. Uh, uh, so what they did was they piggybacked their watered-down variation onto ours. Basically, they hijacked our petition. And so we saw this, so we went to the courts, and we asked the judge to issue a restraining order because we believe that the city had violated the Open Meetings Act, they had violated ministerial process, that forced them to have to vote on uh, onto the ballot that particular proposition. Let me understand this. So you, you put yours on the ballot via petition. They wanted to put theirs on the ballot in competition with yours or piggybacking on yours um, via a simple vote from the council, but I guess because of time or whatever, they were short-circuiting the normal procedures, the legal procedures to do this. You went to court, and you won, and so it's going to be only your uh, real term limit proposal on the ballot. Do I have that right? So you do have that right up to the very last part. 
we got that restraining order, and you would think that any normal human being would say, okay, we got a restraining order, it's over, we're safe, right? Well, this was August 15th, and the deadline by the state to get something onto the ballot is August 20th. 24 hours goes by, and I get a text message suddenly at 7 o'clock on Thursday. Have you seen the agendas? That's what the text message says. Have you seen the agendas? And my heart sunk Hmm. because I already knew what they had done. And I got on the city's website, and sure enough, they had scheduled a meeting for 7 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. And they scheduled another one for seven, for six o'clock on Monday, August twentieth, the deadline date. And what wow. they had decided they could do is that they were going to vote on the Sunday meeting. They were going to vote away the rules of our city's charter that mandates that they have to have a 72-hour waiting period between readings. Well, they viewed this as such an emergency that they had to suspend the rules of the town um, in order exactly. I guess, to save it. There's really nothing that we could do at that point. They had legally found a way to skirt the restraining order. And so what I did was I did sort of what we in our campaign considered a last resort option, which is that we riled up a mom. <laughs> okay. I contacted media the very next morning at 10 o'clock. I was standing outside of City Hall. I had cameras on me. I was saying, your, your mayor has found a way to skirt a restraining order. It is the equivalent of an abusive spouse finding right. a way to get around a restraining order. I just was, I was, I didn't hold back. At that point, I was very frustrated. I took our story to the media. We started mm-hmm. printing out resignation letters. We started taping those letters onto the doors of the uh, neighborhoods of our city council person. We <laughs> were going full force for about three days there. We just put out flyers. We contacted media. We did interviews. We were posting on Facebook. We were riling up people. We were telling them, look at what these guys are doing. They're doing this at 7 o'clock p.m. on a Sunday because they're trying to get around this restraining order. So mm-hmm. basically what I did was I started calling for resignations. I started telling everybody, you need to start demanding your city council and your mayor step down. And it was a raucous meeting, and I had a bullhorn. It's sort of that, that photo that you might have seen out I saw it. I was bullhorn. looking at the press accounts of this. It was really something else. That was that meeting where we were like going full force. We had to really bring the heat on them. And after about two hours of them having to get their, their rear ends chewed off of them, mm-hmm. uh, one of them fell ship, uh, which is all we needed. Uh, you have okay. to have a unanimous vote of the city to suspend the rules the way they wanted to. And one of them jumped ship, said that she wasn't going to do it. And then they all jumped ship. And it was a unanimous no vote to suspend. And Fantastic. we, thankfully, it was a midnight hour move. Yep. And we managed to, we had everything but the pitchforks and, and, the, and the torches. Yep. This um, confirms something I've seen over the years in, in these type of uh, campaigns, is that when citizens take action if they if they band together and take the necessary action on this issue they win the politicians only really win if you roll over thank you very much zach for spending this time with me i wish you the best of success and um godspeed thank you well that wraps up this week's podcast this week we learned via two new studies 
that in the 15 states with term limits on their legislatures, women have a greater chance to run for office and are winning more elections. Also, that voter turnout is greater in those states as well. And we got positive progress reports from Arlington, Texas, the state of Arkansas, and hints that November might be a banner year for pledge signing candidates who have committed to vote and co-sponsor a U.S. term limits amendment in the U.S. Congress. If you'd like to keep receiving these progress reports, please subscribe to this podcast using the podcast app on your iPhone, Stitcher on your Android phone, or iTunes. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have the No Uncertain Terms podcast. This podcast is made possible by the support of you, the American people, and your voluntary financial contributions, which can be made through our website at termlimits.com. Thank you. Did you hear that? Convention. Convention. Convention.